You can't get excited singing that when you need to get saved. God is good. How many of you like to worship the Lord? I think you do. That's what it feels like here today. We're, uh, we've been talking about living in the praise zone for the last few weeks. And it's been great. We've learned about Thanksgiving. You enter his gates with Thanksgiving. Then you enter his courts with praise was the second week. And then you worship him in the beauty of holiness We was the third week. But now I want to get really down and real today and talk to you about the power of worship and worship and your warfare. There's not a person in here that's not in some kind of warfare. Our country is under attack. Christians are under attack. We live in a battlefield until Jesus comes again. But there is a weaponry that God has given to us. And I want to read to you, I'm going to jump into the middle of a story, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to read about a guy named King Jehoshaphat. My mother used to say, Jumping Jehoshaphat. Anybody ever hear that? It's kind of a northern saying. I never knew what it meant until I found Jehoshaphat here. I don't know why he was jumping, but that's what she said. Anyway, King Jehoshaphat woke up one day thinking it was going to be a great day, normal day, everyday, workaday world, and everything came against him. Before he knew it, he was in the fight of his life. And that's the way it happens with you and me many times. And I want to show you the wise decisions he made. Jehoshaphat wasn't perfect, as we're about to read. Um, he had uh, initiated some reforms in Judah. He had done some things right, and he had made some unwise decisions. But when he came under attack like this, he did the right thing. And we're going to learn from what he did. So let's look at what happened when he woke up that day. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites and others with them came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, guess what? A vast army is coming against you from Edom from the other side of the Dead Sea. A vast army is coming to take you out, O king. Then they said, it's already in Engedi, meaning they're close. They're almost here. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Now, here's a couple of things he did right. He inquired of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Now, it says the people of Judah responded. They came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek the Lord. Everybody knew this is serious. We need God. Now, I'm going to tell you when you're in a real trial, when there's no way out but God, then you're in a real trial. So let's pray together right now. Let me talk to you about what they did that was so right, and it's what we will also learn to do. Father, we just thank you right now for what we see in this story and the power of praise and worship, and that there is a weapon in our warfare that really works against the enemy. And I pray that you will teach us in our spirits, teach us in our souls, where we do not forget it. And more than that, we practice what we hear. And Lord, I thank you for doing it today in the name of Jesus. Will you breathe a prayer in our church and say, Lord, teach me to be a praiser, 
teach me the power of worship in my warfare. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell him, praise him. It's worth it. Now, this is a very, very powerful story, and it's something that has really spoken to me. In our text, the situation for Judah was very serious, extreme, and critical. They have this vast army. It's a, it's a confederacy of foreign armies who have decided to come together, join hands to attack Judah. It happened suddenly. Nobody saw it coming. It was unexpected. There were no warning signs. There were no indicators. They just woke up one day and there was a vast attack arrayed against them. And King Jehoshaphat and all of Judah, in the natural, had their backs against the wall. There wasn't any way out if God did not intervene because they were outnumbered, they were outweaponized, they were out everything. This was three huge armies that had joined together to come up against little Judah. If God did not help them, they did not have a chance. Now, I want to stop a minute and clarify, as I often do, that these Old Testament stories are physical pictures of spiritual truth. When you see the Moabites, Ammonites, Hittites, Jebusites, Philistines, all these armies in the Old Testament, these peoples that, that were the enemies of Israel, anytime you see them, they are physical pictures of spiritual enemies that we in the New Covenant face. It's just a physical picture of spiritual truth. They are types and shadows of what we in the New Testament would experience in the spiritual arena. We have enemies, but they are not visible. They are invisible. They are demon spirits. They are, they are orchestrated and sent out by the enemy of our soul. I call them satanic assignments. They are, as Paul said in Ephesians 6, they are rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. They are hierarchical. There is a, there is a satanic hierarchy, and Satan's forces are leveled against the church. And so these Old Testament enemies of Israel were types and shadows of what we experience with the invisible enemies of God. Now, Paul told us that these stories are written down, these Old Testament stories, so that we in the New Testament, upon whom the ends of the ages have come, will look at them and learn from them. That's why I never say the Old Testament's irrelevant. It's, it's the Word of God. It's hugely relevant. And these stories are so that we can read them and say, oh, well, what did Jehoshaphat learn? How did they overcome? Because the same way he did it, we will do it. And so you read this story, and it's a powerful story. It's an amazing story, as you're going to see in just a moment. But let's just begin with this. As Jehoshaphat experienced, it sometimes seems as if a huge confederacy of various enemies have joined together for war against the true bride of Christ. We wake up in one day in Christian America, and it seems in almost no time now we wake up in non-Christian America. We're now seeing the court systems rule against the consciences of Christians. It's no longer a friendly environment. It's no longer popular to be a Christian. 
It seems as if a bee's nest has been kicked, and there is a swarm of various enemies that are now coming against the church. And my burden and my passion as a pastor is to teach the people of God how to do warfare successfully and not stand there and just get beat up. One day the skies were clear and blue when Jehoshaphat woke up and suddenly a storm of opposition formed on the horizon and next thing he knows, his kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, God's people, God's call chosen people have been targeted, are in the crosshairs of a vast army. In desperation, he fell on his knees as we also do when we are surrounded with so many enemies and he cried out to God for help. And as we're about to see with Jehoshaphat, that Judah and this king discovered that praise is one of the great weapons in our arsenal against Satan. You know, we talk about the armor of God all the time in Ephesians 6, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, gospel sandals, sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. Of those six pieces of armor, only one is offensive. The rest are defensive. The sword of the spirit is offensive. And we tend to think, well, we've got one offensive weapon. That is one weapon by which and through which we attack the enemy like Jesus did in the wilderness. And the rest of them are defensive. But there is one more offensive weapon in the arsenal of the believer, and it is praise and worship. When we praise and worship God, it sends repercussions in the spiritual world out way beyond these four walls. We need to know that it says of Jesus, when he comes, he would give the garment of praise in the place of the spirit of heaviness. Praise is a weapon. And I think so often we, we think, well, I, I sang a few hymns, so I did my part. No, I love hymns, and I thank God for hymns, and they're great, great songs. But it's one thing to sing three hymns about God and sit down and listen to a sermonette to Christianettes who then go out in the world and get defeated. It's another thing when you sing worship songs and praise songs to Him, knowing that when you praise and worship God and enter His gates with genuine thanksgiving and His courts with praise, it literally undoes the enemy and it drives Him out. There was a great, great Christian song that came out years ago. It was sung by Russ Taff. It was called Praise the Lord. And it describes the struggle that we experience when praising God is not easy. You know, we talk about tough love. But I'm going to tell you, there's a thing called tough praise. You know, tough love is when you love someone tough. That is, they're really not doing right and they've, they have not listened to correction and they have not listened to reproof. And so finally, you have to take strong steps to wake them up. But also, there is tough praise. Tough praise is praise when you don't feel like praising. Tough praise is the sacrifice of praise. Tough praise is when you're in a valley so deep you can't imagine God reaching you in that valley. Tough praise is when you're up against a mountain that seems way too high for you to scale. Tough praise is when not an atom of your being feels like praising God, but you make up your mind, I'm going to praise the Lord because the Bible tells me to praise the Lord. That's tough praise, the sacrifice of praise, and that's what this song is talking about. And I love these lyrics. Listen to this. 
when you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams and your hope's been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes and you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears, don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Praise the Lord. And then he goes on. Listen to this. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord for our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord. Now here's the best part. I'm probably going to read it twice. Are you ready? For the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise him. Oh, that's good stuff. I am going to read it again. I want you to catch this. For the chains that seem to bind you, your doubts, your fears, your unforgiveness, your finances, your marriage, your children that have gone into rebellion, the chains that seem to bind you only serve to remind you that they are going to drop powerless behind you when you praise Him. Man, that's good. I could really preach from that song and go home. The Psalms teach us the very same thing. The prince of praisers, David, wrote that praise and worship literally bring evil powers into bondage. How would you like to bind the devil that once bound you? I'm going to ask that again. How would you like to bind the devil who once bound you? That's what praise does. I, you know, Satan's always giving us hell. Why not give hell heaven? Hell hates heaven, and I want to tell you, hell hates praise. Listen to what the psalmist wrote, Psalms 149, 6 through 9. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand to bind their kings, the kings of your enemy, with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon them the judgment written. Did you catch that? That when we praise God, when we are under assault, it brings judgment on our enemy. And it binds our enemy with chains. Instead of him binding you, you bind him. This is the power of praise. It's a weapon. It's a weapon. It's not just something we do. Praise and worship services are not just a time to be blessed, though it does bless me to worship and praise God. I love it. I love doing it. I love worshiping God. I began worshiping God when I was 18 years old, and worshiping God has defined much of my spiritual life. It was in worshiping God that it, God called me. It was in worshiping God that I came to know the Lord in many different ways. It was in worshiping God that a conduit seemed to be built between me and glory and his power came down upon me and I experienced his love when I worshiped God because he lives in the praises of his people. But praise and worship are more than just a time to, for the church to come together and kind of joy pop on Jesus. It's the time to do warfare on behalf of those who are bound and oppressed by the devil. So praise and worship does. See, when we come together, if we come together with our minds set to praise God, I guarantee you hell gets nervous about that. 
Because there is a fourth dimension, and Jesus moved in that fourth dimension. When Jesus came on the scene, when he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit, it says that immediately he encountered people out of whom demons spoke. You don't see that anywhere in the Bible until then. What did Jesus do? Jesus invaded the fourth dimension. It's the fourth dimension, the spiritual dimension, the unseen world, wherein demons live and operate and wherein angels live and function and do warfare. It's where the cherubim and the seraphim dwell. It is where real warfare takes place. We are not battling flesh and blood. We are up against spiritual rulers of darkness and wickedness in heavenly places. There is an unseen world as real as the chair you're sitting in. And when we get together and praise and worship God, it sends shockwaves through that fourth dimension goes way beyond these walls. And satanic assignments are canceled according to that psalm. The enemy is put in chains. His nobles are put in fetters of iron. And judgment is executed on him. I want us to be aware when we come to church here and we get ready to praise God that we're not just coming in to be blessed, but we're coming in to do warfare. And when we really praise him and really worship him, get ready because something is going to happen every time. Now, Jehoshaphat and the people made some great decisions. And I want to talk to you about four things that they did right after they inquired of the Lord and after they called for a fast. Everything from then on went into the realm of praise and worship. The first thing they did is they made the decision to praise. Praise is a decision. I forget the stat, but it's like, once you do something X number of times, it becomes a real habit. And you can, become, you can have a bad habit or a good habit. Once you begin to praise and worship God, even when you don't feel like it, it's an acquired taste. And once you begin to do it and stay with it, then it becomes a holy habit that serves you the rest of your life. They made the decision to praise. We read that as the enemy steadily advanced, a prophet stood up among them and spoke to Jehoshaphat and all the people. And what he had to say was amazing. Here they are, they're faced with this huge, huge, they're looking at a, they're looking at a wipeout. And this prophet stands up and the first thing he did was encourage them. And these words that I'm about to read, I want them to encourage you because remember, these were written for our learning and for our encouragement and our edification. So if a swarm of enemies have come against you, I want you to listen to this. Thus says the Lord to you, the prophet told them, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. You will not have to fight this battle. How can that be? Why would that be? Well, here's why. Jesus said it, inasmuch as you've done it to the least of one of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. And when the enemy puts you in the crosshairs and comes against you and attacks you and your home and your livelihood and your children and your marriage, he has also attacked Jesus. And Jesus says, you have attacked the apple of my eye. And if we respond the way the Bible is about to show us to respond, then God says the battle is not yours but God's. You will not have to fight this battle. And when we praise him, we release God. 
God into our battle and he fights for us. So can you say with me, the battle is the Lord's. He will fight for me. I am not alone. Give God praise today. That's good. Amen. After encouraging them, he instructed them. He said, take up your positions. Get in the position of faith. Get your armor on. And then Paul wrote, having done all, stand. Stand girt in the armor of God. And stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Now, I would have liked it until that last sentence. I would have been encouraged until that last sentence. Because what did God say? He said, go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Now, as soon as he said that, I would have said, say what? Because I don't think you understand. There is a vast, huge army that has greatly outnumbered us, and you're telling us to go face them tomorrow? But the good news was God said, the Lord will be with you. Folks, i got to tell you, you and Jesus are a majority. It doesn't matter how large the force is that is coming against you because if God be for you, who can be against you? What can be against you? He will always give you the victory. Seriously. Jehoshaphat and the people responded to this powerful encouragement with praise and with worship. It says, Jehoshaphat bowed his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down to worship before the Lord. But they didn't stop there, because then some Levites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. So you have them worshiping God and praising God. And when were they doing this? When a deadly army was breathing down their neck. That's when they did this. Faced with an impossible situation, Jehoshaphat and the people didn't complain. They didn't argue. They didn't feel sorry for themselves. They did not throw a pity party. I have thrown many pity parties in my life. And you know what? God has never once RSVP. God has never once shown up. Even when I just thought he should. You know, Lord, I'm playing a violin. Where are you? I know you agree with me. But what did God say? When you're ready to get over it, I'm ready to come in and give you the victory, but quit feeling sorry for yourself. There is a greater than he that lives in you than he that is in the world. Stand up and be a man of God and overcome. They cried out to the Lord, and the Lord answered them with a promise of deliverance. They received God's promise, and they made the decision to praise the Lord. And now I see a second thing, the direction of praise. There was a direction, not just a decision, but a direction. Jehoshaphat prayed these words to the Lord, and I love this verse. He was very honest here. He said, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Lord, this attack is bigger than me. This enemy is stronger than me. I don't know what to do. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Get your eyes upon him. 
Jehoshaphat said, we're undone if you don't come through. But we're not going to focus on the problem, and we're not going to look within, which is a sign of insecurity. We're not going to look and see what we can't do, and we're not going to focus on how bad the enemy is. We're going to focus on the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What does it say about Jesus when the cross of agony and pain that he dreaded, that he prayed for another way out of, when it was looming at him, when he was just about there, he looked beyond the cross to the joy that was set before him. After that cross, I'm going to be resurrected. After that cross, I'm going to start redeeming people right and left. When I shed my blood, it's going to destroy the enemy. It's going to defang him. I'm going to get the power of death, hell and the grave out of his hand. On the other side of that cross, there's going to be hope for tomorrow because he lives. I'm looking beyond the cross to the joy set before me. And what's the joy set before us? His name is J-E-S-U-S. And when you're in a battle, don't look around and don't look within, but look up. They said, God, these armies are all around us. We're outnumbered, but we're not looking around. We're not looking within. We are looking up. And then they put their money where their mouth was. And here's where this story gets crazy in a neat way. Jehoshaphat, in verse 21 appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him. Now, I want you to notice, man, who do you appoint? M-E. The man won't even say it. <laughs> he appointed men. He didn't turn to the sisters and say, hey, get out here and sing, though we love for the sisters to sing. He wanted the men to stand up. He wanted the men to go against the enemy. But these men we're used to having a sword and a spear and a bow and a shield. But that is not what he told them to do. He said, put down your weapons of warfare. This is a spiritual battle. I want you to grab a lute, a harp, a stringed instrument, and get ready to sing. And I'm putting you in the front of the army. Now, either he knew something or he was crazy. Now, I want you to get this picture. This army look, looks like you can't even see the ground. It's a black cloud on the ground out in front of them, this vast army coming against them, and they are marching resolutely forward by the minute. And the next morning, per the direction from the prophet, they went out. That is, Judah got together, and they made a formation, and in the front of that formation, they did not put men with shields and spears and arrows. They put the praise band. They put a choir now, if I'm the Ammonites and the Moabites and all the other ites that were there among them, I look at that and I say, they have cracked. They've cracked. Because are we seeing what we think we're seeing? They're not ready for war. Those men aren't even carrying weapons. They're singing. They have lost it. They've lost their mind. This is going to be an easy take. And then these men, these praisers, these worshipers, sang a song of sim uh, eight simple but powerful words. Here it is. I want you to say it with me. Praise the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. 
That was the, that was the, the whole song. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. I don't know what, I'm sure it was in minors. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And they're singing this song as they walk towards the Ammonites and the Moabites and these deadly enemies. And right when it looked to the Ammonites and Moabites like they had lost their mind as they praised and worshiped, something unbelievable began to happen. Verse 22 tells us, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set traps. I like that. The Lord set traps against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. Then it says, so they were destroyed. But then it elaborates on how this happened. Verse 23 says, the men of Ammon and Moab turned on their confederates, the, the, the warriors of Mount Seir, and began to kill them. And when they had finished with the people of Seir, the Ammonites and Moabites turned on each other and they self-destructed and killed each other. And all the while, this worship man is just saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. <laughs> praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And I think it got louder and louder as they saw, hey, look what God is doing. Now I want you to catch what happened here, folks. When you and I praise God, it confuses and confounds and condemns our enemy. Those boys got confused and they self-destructed as they sang and worshiped and praised God. Now, let me ask you a question. When things are tight, finances, the kids are in rebellion, the car won't run, and the light at the end of the tunnel turns out to be a train that is coming straight at you, do you look around or do you look up? The direction of praise is up. Not looking around, not looking within, but up. Upward focus is the direction of praise. And that's what they did. Look at the miracle. God defeated their enemy. But then there's another thing I want to point out. There was the duration of praise. The duration of praise. We're told that before the battle, before the battle, all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. They praised God before the battle began. They knew the army that was out there, but before they had one single manifestation of God's deliverance, they still praised the Lord. See, praise is fueled by faith, and faith does a funny thing. Faith welcomes something before it arrives. Faith greets something before the answer appears. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things you don't yet see. But if God gives you faith for something, whether or not you have it in time and space, it is still as good as there because faith tells you it's there. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you see people that have faith greeting an answer before it ever arrives. Faith sets the table when there's no food to put on it. God's told you, I'm going to provide for you. You put the plates down, you put the forks down. You put the glasses down, you get everything ready. Somebody says, what are you doing? There's no food in the pantry. That doesn't matter to me because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things I don't yet see. It's coming and I'm getting ready for it. 
Faith inspires praise before the answer ever arrives. They praised God before they had one manifestation, but then they also praised Him during the battle as they began to sing and praise the Lord as the battle ensued. The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. When did it happen? They praised God during the battle, and they also praised Him after the battle. On the fourth day after the battle, they assembled in the valley of Barakah where they praised the Lord. You know, it's so easy to forget to praise God when He's broken through for you. Ten lepers were healed of a terminal disease. Only one of them thought to come back and praise the Lord and thank Him. Kathy and I were dealing with something last week, and we were waiting on a doctor's report for someone that we know where the report could have been cancer, and we had given it to God. We said, Lord, we're praying for a good report. Please don't weigh us down with, with a bad report here. Give us a good report. And then a text came and said, clear. And we texted back, yay. But you know what I forgot to do? I forgot to go off alone somewhere and say, Lord, I praise you for the answer. I praise you that you answered our prayer and it was clear. And so I was going through doing stuff and the Holy Spirit just seemed to tap me on the shoulder. You know that tap, don't you? Tap you on the shoulder. Hey, psst, Jeff, aren't you the one preaching on Thanksgiving and praise and worship to your church? Well, yes, Lord, that, that's me. Well, I just answered a real prayer, and I haven't heard from you. I said, Lord, I thank you, and I praise you. I bless your holy name. I, I, I bless you. You know what I'm talking about? And then finally, there was the deliverance of praise. I want you to listen to these closing words. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lutes and trumpets. You know what they were going to do? They were going to have another worship session. These folks were worshipers. And it says in verse 29, the fear of God, and here's one of my favorite parts, the fear of God came upon all the kingdoms of the countries around them when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. I'm so tired of reading about church scandals. I want to read where a church had such a breakthrough, such a deliverance, that even the enemies around us will have to sit up and say, no man could have done that and give the glory to God. Now listen to this closing statement about how they ended up. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace. Anybody in here like peace? The older I get, the more I love peace. He was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. There was no trouble coming from the north, no conflict from the south, no adversity from the east, no trouble from the west. On every side, they had peace. What would have happened if they hadn't praised the Lord? What would have happened if they hadn't worshiped? They would have been destroyed. Worship turned it around. So I'm going to ask us to stand right now, could we? And please, no one leaving yet. We're almost done, but we want to do something very important. 
I was praying about these services this weekend, and the Lord said, I want you to invite the people to come down into the altar who need a breakthrough. Folks, I've just shared with you something that will rout the enemy. I've just shared with you one of the weapons in your arsenal. And some of us need to come down and worship the Lord. And so we're just going to open up the altar. In the first service, they were all up and down here. And we want to lay hands on you and agree with you that you will get a breakthrough. But we're going to sing a song of deliverance, a song of joy. And I want you to enter in because what we're learning here is just shop. You're going to go out tomorrow and put it into practice Monday through Saturday. All right? So as, as we begin to, to sing, I want you to come and come down and have a praise session with us. If you need a breakthrough, your marriage is in trouble, financial trouble, the enemy is attacking you, I want you to put on your praisers and come down. And we're going to believe God to give you a great breakthrough today. And let's all worship together and sing this song. Amen. Come now. Come on, praisers, come down. And let's worship the Lord. There's power in the name of Jesus. Yes, there is. There's power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. 